is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XM OutQ. I'm Larry Flick, and you are on The Jolt, Sirius XM OutQ. Cat Cora. I love Cat Cora. She is here today, and uh, you know her, of course. She is um, a renowned chef, and uh, she has a new book. And this book just knocked me out. Totally surprised me. It's called Cooking As Fast As I Can, A Chef's Story of Family, Food, and Forgiveness. I have to tell you, I was I was stunned by this book. I get, I'm getting that a lot. I'll bet you are. I am. I'll bet you are, because there is something so beautifully light about you. Thank you. And I feel it when you walk into the room. I've always felt it watching you on television. Um, your approach to food is so joyful, and it is clearly the mark of victory, given the fact that you have had a very challenging past. I have, and yes. you, um, kind of like you, kind of like you, 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 you skin an animal, you skinned yourself, girl. <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> that doing was the that? point. Well, the point was is that when Simon and Schuster approached me to do a, a memoir, I, I had to take time to really process that. What was that going to be? What was that going to look like? And, you know. I didn't want to gloss over my life. I know in TV, um, you it, it, it appears that you have, at least I, I've heard from other people who have spoken to me in the past and who I've talked to and fans that I have the perfect life and that I've always had the perfect life. And that must be why I'm successful. But the real truth is my success, I believe, um, that you do have to go through contrast and adversity to expand as a human being. And, and we all go through it. No one has a perfect life. I don't have a perfect life. Um, even today, I will say the four perfect things that I have are my little boys. But other than that, I have gone through adversity and challenges in my life and I've had to, to rise up above them. I've had to do a lot of in, work on myself. It's a real inside job as we know. Um, and so I really thought if I'm going to do a memoir, I'm going all in. I'm going to be raw. I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to be honest. And um, it really got kicked off by uh, some of that by I read my Wikipedia page and it said Kat Cora went to high school, culinary school, then became famous. And that I is thought, exactly what it says. It says that because I was looking at it and I thought. Wow, there's so many things in between that happened before high school, during high school, between high school and culinary school, going to college, all of these things that have happened. And of course, our life looks glossy. You know, celebrities' lives look glossy on the on the magazine covers, on TV, because people think you go from A to Z and you are successful and powerful. And all of these things come from... Um, the fact that you have this, you know, you're living this perfect life, and that's just not how it is. It comes from really being vulnerable, and which I've learned to do over the years, and I've really evolved in that way. But you know, it's really it's a it's an amazing way to approach things, and and I'm excited to hear you say that. But these days, and maybe it's because the because we are in constant uh, reveal because of the way social media is mm -hmm. built and the way pop culture functions, that we tend to want to control the message so intensely that we 
we get nervous mm -hmm. when people find out some of the challenges because we may or may not be able to control their perceptions. Correct. Um, and as I was reading the book, I think that's what knocked me out the most. It's less that you've been through some things because you're right. We've all been through some things. It's the fact that it felt completely um, unfettered. Mm -hmm. I believe that you wrote this book. I believe that you just let it out. And I believe you turned it in, mm -hmm. which is not how books are written these days, as right. you know. Right. So um, what was that like? What is it like to to be that bare? Because you want, to, you want people to empathize and you want people to mm -hmm. understand, but you are pretty naked, Kat Cora. I'm pretty naked. You're pretty <laughs> Sitting naked. right here, actually, I'm naked. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Good thing I'm a gay man because it's really, you know, <laughs> all just dangly bits. It is. Look at all this, honey. Um, <laughs> no, I, look, I wanted to tell a story for myself. This was healing for me. It really was healing for me. And I was at a place in my life that I wanted to heal. I needed to heal um, from a lot of things, um, not just what's, what was in the book as well. Um and I wanted to leave, it was really important to me to leave a story and a record of my life for my kids, for my grandkids. Um, and I think once I got into the process of it, and I really leaned into it and said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to bear my soul in this book. And it became like a therapy. It became, for me, it was a healing process. I have all of this out of me. And now on the pages of this book. And was it scary? Yes. And honestly, I wrote the book and it didn't really become real for me until I actually got on a plane and said, I'm actually going to talk about the book now. It's one thing to write it in the comfort of your own cubbyhole of life, if you will, but to get out and really now talk about sexual abuse, drunk driving, um, marital issues, um, being adopted, all of those things. It was really very scary, and I think for me in the book, I'm able to tell my story the way I wanted to tell it. It's my story. I wasn't going to just do a soundbite in some press media or on the front page of an article saying, oh, Kat Cora was sexually abused, and then not follow up right. with what can I do now? What voice can I be for that other woman out there who's, who has gone through the same thing I've gone through? How can I make it impactful to change the world or to change someone's life. If little Kathy Cora can do this from Jackson, Mississippi, so can you. You can be a survivor. You can turn your life around. You can heal. Um, you can heal. And I think that was really became very driving, very important and a driving force for me to write the book and to really bear my soul. What, when did you realize that you had healed enough to not be thoroughly defined by the abuse? It wasn't that long ago. Um, the one thing I say to, to folks is that, you know, I a lot went on. I mean, years of therapy, obviously. Because um, for folks who haven't read the book yet, it happened when? I was six years old. It began. It was a family friend that was very close to us that I trusted. He was nine years older than me, so he was a teenager. Um, it began when I was six and ended when I was... Um, I believe about 10, and um, in the worst way, my father actually walked in and caught him abusing me 
which was devastating to me because I was a daddy's girl. And it was like that was the absolute most horrifying, not just the abuse, but my father of all people. Um, I was so relieved that it was over because I knew it would be over then. My this the, the terror would be over. But it was still the most shameful. Sure. I carried that around for until just probably a few years ago. And but I began therapy uh, many years ago and, um, post, you know, some help with some post-traumatic stress syndrome and that comes from um, trauma and, uh, you know, had a mediation with my parents because, you know, I think people want to normalize when things like this happen. My parents were very intelligent people. They were college educated. They were very open minded. But I think there's a tendency for people to want to normalize. Your parents want to normalize you and normalize the situation. And it wasn't talked about a lot, which was even more devastating um, as I grew up. So I didn't have a chance to heal from that until I was in my late 30s and 40s to really begin that healing process. Yeah, because if you're not talking about it, then it just makes you feel, I would imagine, because I'm I'm, I've never had this experience, but I would in any in any major event, if nobody wants to talk about it, it tells you this was this was bad enough so that I'm now different in a way that is wrong. Yeah, you do. I felt for a long time there was a part of me that felt like a piece of shit. I felt like garbage. You yeah. know, I felt very shameful, and that will. Um, and that affects all of your life. It's a ripple effect. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, your self-image, your insecurities, all of those things that, that prey upon shame. It's Shame is, I think, one of, the, one of our worst emotions. And when you don't talk about it, and I hope this is one of the things that I do hope the book will accomplish, that people will begin having conversations. If their children have been through it, if they've got relatives that have been through it, it doesn't matter how old or young. I hope that the book will start a conversation. I've been mm. approached by many people, you know, some therapists um, who've said I'm going to use this as a, as a textbook for my patients. I'm going to use you know, teachers who've said I'm going to use this as a textbook to help my at-risk girls that I'm, that I'm mentoring. Um, women who've walked up and said my niece just went through this. My daughter just went through this. Um, thank you so much. So uh, for me, that that's really become... Um, one of the reasons why I, I, I'm finding out I'm learning, you know, it's all evolving on the different aspects of why I wrote the book. And I think that trying to be a voice for the voiceless is something I have an ability to do because of my notoriety. How do you handle the days where it's a burden? Because there are days when you're tired. Mm-hmm. We all get tired. Mm-hmm. And there are days where you just do not want to relive. Yeah. How do you handle the days when it's a burden? Um. I have learned some tools that have helped me personally, and everybody. This is an individual. Um, it's an individual journey. Um, some of the things that have helped me quiet my mind and give me peace has been meditation. It's been very, very uh, become a big part of my life um, because I, I have a, a big personality. You know, I have a high energy, high acting life, and so for me, it's really about quieting my mind, getting peace. Um, having inner peace, um, learning to um, to really uh, take it a day at a time. Don't get too far ahead in the future and don't stay in the past. To be more present, especially That's with really my kids, hard. it's really hard, really hard. And really I have hard. not accomplished it completely. I get moments and little blips of that. That's good. But you can still 
find some of that. That's um, really good. But it's really hard. You're right. It's a Kat, it takes practice. Cat Cora joining us here on The Jolt. I'm Larry, Book, uh, Larry Flick. The book is called Cooking As Fast As I Can, A Chef's Story of Family, Food, and Forgiveness. What do you say to people who want, incorrectly, I believe, to correlate your abuse with being a lesbian? Oh, um, it's it's so two different things. It is completely two so different two things. different things. But people do are confused by that. I've I've had that in the past. I don't get it as much now because I've been in a sixteen year marriage, four kids. You know, I've, I've pretty much defined myself as as who I am. Um, in 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 very very clear about the definition of of who I am as a lesbian. Um, but yes, of course people say, Oh, she was abused. She must, that's why she's a lesbian. Um, you know, or she doesn't like men or some of my favorite people are men. Uh, but that, these are two very, very different things. And that's, I want to be really clear to people who are confused about that. And it doesn't mean I haven't questioned that at times when I was trying to go through my process is it? Well, you, you have to at is, least ask. I have to, I have to at least if you don't ask, ask that of myself. Then you need an answer, right? When you have an answer, you can move forward. Absolutely. But did you look at at the the realization of the woman you are as something initially as something to celebrate, or ugh, what is wrong with me? Because it's it, you know, for for if you're going through the tough part of. Mm-hmm healing and growing and evolving into an adult that could feel like a one-two sucker punch yes right oh absolutely i mean first of all you know i i had all of the shame that i carried around for so many years and then growing up and coming into yourself i mean you have to understand i was six when it began i was 10 10 and a half when it ended so i hadn't even begun my adolescence yet when i hit adolescence then i'm also dealing with i'm coping with and trying to understand being gay. And so it was a one-two punch. So here I am feeling all carrying around this big burden of shame, um, trying to find my sexuality, trying to understand my sexuality and being different because, you know, we're talking about Mississippi back in the seventies. Exactly. And, uh, and all of us that are gay had to come, had to and try to understand that, uh, all these feelings we had. Um, and, and then on top of that, being an adolescence, you know, I always say that, when we were gay in our generation, you and I, mm-hmm. um, and and your listeners out there that are around our generation, um, you know, I know when I had my first love in high school, and I talk about it in the book, Jordan, um, I couldn't tell people. I couldn't run to my f- best friend and go, oh, I just had my first kiss. Oh, I just fell in love for the first time in my life. I couldn't go tell my parents. I couldn't celebrate it. Mm. And it's the saddest thing. So when you're going through all of these emotions as a gay person who can who has to carry this big secret, and then I had this big secret of being sexually abused that none of my friends knew about, many people didn't know about. At the time, it was my parents and I. Um, and then I'm dealing with all of these hormones of adolescence and it's an awkward stage anyway at that time. It's all just so awful and beautiful at the same time. So awful and beautiful. My first love, it was so beautiful. And then it was so painful, you know, when we broke up and then going through that. And so, um, I think, yes, it, it, at times, um, it, it did, I still, it did get difficult, but 
On a positive note, at the time I had, I was lucky enough to have loving parents. I was lucky enough to um, be able to um, still have that fire in my belly that Mm. I will not, under any circumstances, let him beat me down. I will not let guilt and shame beat me down. I still have dreams. I still have goals. And um, and I follow those. It's Kat Cora joining us on The Jolt. The book, again, is called Cooking As Fast As I Can. So in the midst of, of all of this, you um, fall in love with food. And, and that's just a very odd thing to say, but you did. It's true. I you did fall in love with food. food. Because, because anyone who's followed your career, uh, your success on television, your success as an Iron Chef, all, of, all that you've done, um, you feel the love. You mm-hmm. feel the passion. It's palpable through the screen. It's palpable in, 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 the, in all of your work. Um, what did that feel like at first when, you, when you've had all this this intensity, mm-hmm. uh, this darkness, this this uh, this seeming darkness. Mm-hmm. What did that feel like? Well, I have to say, I mean, I think food saved my life, really, in many, many ways. Um, uh, you know, because it was a place that I could go to when everything else felt so dark and so heavy. I could go to food, and it was my escape. Mm. Being able to cook, being able to feel the food, being able to be creative, being able to just um, lose myself in that wonderful place with food. And I found a skill out of that. I found a, a, a talent that was kind of unearthed through all of this going on when I was 15 years old. I mean, it was a place of solace for me. It was a place of you know inner peace where I could go and I could be with you know, cooking and creating and tasting and, and this wonderful, um, just joyous place that I could find myself in. And it really saved my life. What's it like to give someone that kind of joy? Because it's a gift to me, I look when I look at someone. I don't have the skill. My husband has the skill, thank goodness. <laughs> but I don't have the skill. Right. Uh, but I know what it's like to receive the gift from someone who really, not someone who can cook. Anybody can cook. But when someone really pours their soul into a plate of food and then they offer it to you. To me, it's it's a very primal offering. It's a very romantic, not in a, you know, I love you offering, but in, in the grand scheme of like the sure. world, it's mm-hmm. very it's very romantic. Um. I always wonder when someone has a, has that kind of an artful gift, what's it like to feel it coming out of you? It is, um, wow, it is the most, I think, visceral feeling. You know, you just feel like you're, when I'm in the zone of cooking, when I'm cooking for someone I truly love, admire, or just someone that I want. To, to give this to, to, to nurture through food. Like you said, it's primal, it's instinctual, it's sexy, it can be romantic. It, it's all of these emotions. I think, you know, the one thing we all have in common that bonds us is food. If you think about everything else out in the world, that's the one art and the one craft that bonds all of us as human beings. And it's it's got to be much like someone who creates this incredible painting or 
this beautiful design or food has all of that, but yet you have someone who's receiving it and they're giving you back right away. They're reflecting it right back at you. And so it's a wonderful gift and it is, um, it's such a powerful notion um, when you feed someone because it is so instinctual and, and so primal and it is so beautiful and in so many ways. And you're filling someone in, in you know, the literal but in, in so many senses. It's, um, it's fascinating uh, to talk to someone who's, who's devoted their life to that kind of work. And, and again, I've always received you from, you know, from my observational distance as someone who, um, who really loves it. I believe you. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, you and I both know we're a couple of, you know, experienced old cows in this room. (laughs) You and I know that not everybody's in it for real. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 um, I really believe you, which is a really, really wonderful thing. Um, as you look at your life, right, your your mm-hmm. demonstratively uh, healed, right? Do you look at your kids and think, um, "I'm able to give them something because I've been through all of this"? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have experiences that you know, kids. Kids are teachers. I mean, they have been for me. My kids have taught me so much about myself. You know, they it's almost this give and take between parents and kids that, you know, they've taught me to look at myself. And 12 years ago when we had our first son, you know, I really had to step back and and learn from him how to be selfless, how to begin healing myself because I wanted to be the best version of me that I could be for him, for myself as well. But I, in the beginning, you think it's for them. But what it ends up happening is they're giving that back to you. Mm. They're healing you. I healed through watching my children by having my children. And it really was even more important to me to be whole again. You know, not this broken person that, you know, went through these, you know, these these traumas and, and challenges, but this whole bright, beautiful person that has always been here, but got somehow just buried in, you know, my myself, my, you know, depression that I went through, things like that. And I had to go, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. He, I'm, re- I'm going to reflect back what he's reflecting to me, and I'm going to, I'm going to live. I'm not just going to go through life. I'm going to live, and so yes, I mean, I think for me to be able to now, they've helped heal me. I can help them, and so it's been this, this gift back and forth that we've given each other through the years, um, and through my experiences, I can, I can, you know, we're already teaching them. Through, through the sexual abuse, we're teaching them how this is your body. You know, no one, you have a voice. You are a person and you have a voice. And by giving them voices, you know, we're empowering our children to protect themselves as well. 
you know, because I didn't have that. I grew up in a generation where your kids are to be seen, not heard. You always respect your elders. You don't speak unless spoken to. My parents weren't. I mean, that was the norm. It wasn't like my parents were any different. My parents were no different than anyone else's. That was just the norm. Well, what ends up happening because that happened to us, we didn't feel like we could speak up. We couldn't go and and speak up. And so I have given my wife and I've given our children a voice to be heard. That that must help you complete this cycle of grieving for that little girl you were. It does. Don't make me cry now because I can start crying. (laughs) You're going to make me cry now. Because it is I, because I mean when you look at look at the purity of of a child and knowing that you you can protect them. Yeah, I'm crying now, everybody. Oh, bless you. I am. I'm sorry. When you say the little girl, because that's exactly who you're healing. Yeah. You know, and, and, you, have um, to, and you have to say goodbye to her yeah. at some point. Yeah. Which is the worst. It is. It's the worst. But thank God you're here. Thank God I'm still here. And thriving, my darling. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So inspiring. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Kekura's book is called Cooking as Fast as I Can, a chef's story of love, a family. I'll add the word love, food, and forgiveness. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed our time together. I did too. Let's please uh, continue another time. We will. Stick around. There's more to come on The Jolt. When you grow up, live like a good